discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same, we are constant. God is constant, God has not changed. And that is the life that we have received. Since Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything He is, that is why He told Abraham, He said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave Himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God Himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ magnified in you. So turn your Bible to Luke chapter 14, from verse 25 to verse 35. Luke chapter 14, from verse 25. And we are ending in verse 35. How many of you are there? If you are there, say yay. Yay. Alright, so let's read it together. One, two, go. And there went great multitudes with him. And he, more than the voices I can hear, I want everybody to read. And he turned and said unto them, if any man come unto me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and also he cannot be and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitted not down first and counted the cost whether he have sufficient to finish it. Lest happily he lay the foundation and is not able to finish it and Mock him, finish. Against another king, seated not down first, and consulted whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand, or else. Whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he has, he cannot be mother. Wherewith it is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out, and he that hear Hallelujah. He that hath an ear, let him hear, isn't it? This it sounds like revelations, isn't it? That has ears, let him hear. And the last time I met you I started by talking about some few things. Today I want to try and expand it some more for you. Hallelujah. Actually, when, when you become born again, you become a disciple of Christ. Okay? What it means to be a disciple means to be a, a pupil, a student, or a, tra- a trainee under Jesus. Hallelujah. That's what it means. It means to, to, be, to be trained okay, by Jesus. When you become born again, you actually automatically become a disciple. If you read the book of Acts, during the beginning of the book of Acts, when people were getting born again, they referred to them as, as chapter 11, when... Um, that some people from 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 Jerusalem, because of the persecution, some of them moved from from Jerusalem and went to different places. Okay, some of them were Cyrenians. Uh, that's people from North Africa. Some are from Algeria, Egypt, and all those places. And they gathered at a place a place called Antioch, and they started a fellowship there. And the Antioch fellowship became a church after some time. Wonderful. The people who belonged to the church were how they who they were how they looked like Christ. So they decided to call them. Christians. Christians, Christians, the word Christian is actually, was actually given by people who were not born again. 
People who are not born again decided to call those who were born again Christians because he saw that they were like Christ. Hallelujah. The word Christian means to be like Christ. Hallelujah. But we are, we are actually disciples of the Lord. The day became, so some people say that uh, it's not all Christians who are disciples. But every disciple can be a, is a Christian. Actually, every Christian is a disciple. Because that is what we are. You, you get born again for that. The reason for the born again experience is so that you will be discipled, you will be trained, you will be raised. Do you get it? It's not so that you... A lot of people follow the Lord for all kinds of reasons. In this particular portion of the scripture, Jesus, Jesus said that if salt loses its taste, then it's not good for anything. If you read about it very carefully, you realize that he mentions that we are the salt of the earth. Have you ever read it before? Read in Mark chapter, Matthew chapter 5. He lets us know that we are the salt of the earth. You see, we are the salt of the earth. He says, if the salt of the earth has lost its taste, then it is not good for any other thing. So if we are the salt of the earth, then it means that we must function as we are. Salt has a particular function. The main function of salt is for preservation. Preservation purposes. It is to preserve. You see. So, the reason we are born again is so that we can learn from the Lord and do what the Lord does. Okay? And not just be there. Okay? Not just be there. In this particular portion of the Bible, in Luke chapter 14, let me read verse 25 to you again. It says, And there went great multitudes with him. Okay? There went great multitudes. Jesus was moving and a lot of people were following him. A lot of people were following him. And turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. So Jesus started excluding some people. He said, you cannot be my disciple if you don't hate your mother and hate your father and hate your brother and hate your wife and even hate your own self. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a shock? It's a very serious shock. A lot of them were following Jesus because of bread. You know, Jesus had multiplied bread for so many people. Some people were following him because of bread. Others were following him because of miracles. Others were following him because of healing. But he turned and told them that, listen... It's not just anybody who can follow me. To be a disciple means to be a follower of Christ. To follow him. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. You see. He turned to them and told them, it's not, you shouldn't come to me because of food. Or come to me because of any other thing. You should come to me because you really want to be with me. Okay. The day you are born again, you, you, you make Jesus the Lord of your life. And to make Jesus the Lord of your life means that Jesus is now the owner of your life. Jesus now owns you. Jesus now tells you what to do with yourself. He tells you where to go. He tells you who to fellowship with, who to accompany with, who to, who to be with, who to accompany with, who to, who to be with, basically. He tells, he determines all that happens to you. Hallelujah. The multitude, a lot of, right now a lot of Christians uh, want to tell the Lord what they want, not the other way around. As long as you are like that, you will not develop as God wants you to develop. Because that's not the original meaning, the original intent of the born again experience. The original intent of the born again experience is so that you will be led by the Lord. That is why the Bible says that as many as are led by the, by, the, by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. They are the matured sons of God. You get it? Your maturity is dependent on your ability to be led by God. Your ability to follow the Lord without any sense of carefulness. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, what I'm, basically what I'm trying to say is that discipleship is what it means to be a Christian. 
being a Christian means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So we are not just following God because of what he will do for us. Okay? I've been saying to you that God has a plan. God has a plan. And the reason why he gets you born again is so that you can be you can be in on helping him fulfill his plan. Get that at the back of your mind. It's very important. The moment you lose that, you've lost a lot of things. Okay? If you start thinking differently that uh, I'm born again so that I can be rich, so that I can live my life and fulfill the things that I want to fulfill, you are making a very big mistake. You are not living, actually. You are just existing. And a lot of Christians like that. Okay? They are disciples, but they've not learned what it means to be a disciple. And hence, I've not learned how to live like a disciple. I want to help you know what it means to be a disciple. And how it, what it means to also live like one. Okay? So, in this particular portion of the Bible, he lets us know. Look at verse 26. It says, if any man come to me, if any man come to me, he calls you. Okay? He call, if, if you look in the Bible, if you look at the disciples, they were all called by Jesus. Most of them were called by Jesus. Okay? Jesus said to Peter, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. Hallelujah. And in different portions of the Bible, you see them following Jesus. Basically, what they did was to follow him. Okay? Their life was, was made of following Jesus wherever he went. Wherever he went to, they followed. They just followed. They were just following. They didn't mind where they would sleep, what they would eat, what they would wear. They were just following him. Hallelujah. And that's what it means to be a disciple. To just follow the Lord, wherever he goeth. His concern is your concern. What concerns him is what concerns you. Not the other way around. Until you, you stop calling God to do what you want him to do for you, you have not started. Did you hear what I said? Until you stop hmm, telling God what you want him to do for you, you have not started. You understand? Until you start asking him what he wants you to do, then you have started. When you start asking him what he wants you to do, it's not a question of what do you, what I want. It's a question of what does he want. Hallelujah. Yeah. That is a grand question. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do with myself? Some people just get married. We don't just get married. You get married to who God wants you to get married to. <gasps> yeah. Okay, some people just want to be employed. We just we, we don't just get employed. You ask God what exactly He wants you to do with yourself. Okay, so Jesus lays down the principle he, to, in order to exclude some some people who were just they were not born again. Those people were not born again. Okay, but in order to differentiate between those who are really with Him and those who are not with Him, He started laying down some things. The first thing He said was that the one who follows Me says, if any man comes to Me and hit not his father. Did you hear what he said? This is extreme, isn't it? He says, if he hates not his father, and hates not his mother, and hates not his wife, or husband, and children, and brethren, or brothers, and sisters, yea, and his own life, also, he cannot be my disciple. I born again. Yeah. You have actually qualified. <laughs> Because what, what the born again experience is what makes you a disciple, isn't it? So it means that you are to hate your mother, hate your father, hate your wife or your, your husband, hate your children. You, you may not have a wife now, but start hating him before you... <laughs> start hating her before she comes. 
You may not have a husband now, but start hating him before he, he comes. Hallelujah. Yeah, it says hate the person. Hate the person. Someone is asking, is it, did he say hate? Yes. He did say hate. And he meant it. Hallelujah. He meant it. He was not joking about it. Okay? He was not joking about it. Hallelujah. The way you look at me, I'm feeling bad. But what it, what, what it basically means is to love him more than you love every other person. Now, Jesus didn't say hate sin. Whosoever came to me must hate sin. We didn't say you should hate sin. Even though you must hate sin. Okay? But he compares the best of relationships that you can think about. I mean, the, he, this, these are pure relationships. Okay? The relationship between you and your father is pure. The relationship between you and your mother is pure. It's, one of the, it's some of the purest love that you can ever have in the world. The relationship between a man and his child. It's very pure. A man and his wife. It's pure. All these are pure legal uh, relationships which are accepted by God. It is God who instituted them. I hate my family. That's what he's actually saying. Okay? Let me show you some other scriptures that are in line with this particular one. Also mentioned by Jesus Christ himself. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10. Book of Matthew chapter 10. Let's read from verse 34. Hallelujah. Let's read it together please. One to go. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and daughter against her mother. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Hallelujah. Read the very last verse again. Verse 37. One to go. He that loveth mother or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So you see what he's talking about. He says the one who loves mother or father, or daughter, or wife, or whatever, more than me. So the issue is with more than me. Yeah, it's a comparison. It's a comparison. He's making a comparison. Okay? The very first commandment that God gave was that you shall love the Lord, your Lord, your God, with all your heart, isn't it? That some, a man came to Jesus and asked, what is the, what is the commandment that I must live by? Which, which, one is the, which one is the best? Which one should I live by? And Jesus said that the first that you must live by is that Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Then he said, and the second is like unto the first. The second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Hallelujah. The first one, what he mentioned, actually it's not written in the Bible like that. It's not written in, in Ezra chapter 20. If you read Ezra chapter 20, you never see, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all that. There's nothing like that. Okay? But Jesus summarized the very first five laws that God gave. In Exodus chapter 20, when he gave the laws to Moses, he summarized all of them. The first five is God word, it's toward God. If you love God, you will not use his name in vain. If you love God, you will not uh, create an idol for yourself and worship that idol. You get it? So Jesus summarized all of them and said that you must love your, the Lord your God with all your heart, with everything that you have, with everything that you have. And that's what God wants. Hallelujah. Our first calling is to love the Lord more than anything. Our first calling as disciples is to love the Lord with all of ourselves, with everything that we have, more than we love anything, more than we love anybody. Hallelujah. 
more than reliability. God wants your heart, your emotion, your affection, your, your, your love. He wants your love more than he wants any other thing in your life. Actually, the work of, a lot of people think that the work of the Lord is only in doing acts of uh, action, only in actions, in, only in activities, not actually in activities. It's primarily in your relationship with Him, your love for Him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And the day we become born again, the Bible says that God puts His love inside you. You see, God is a God of love. If you read in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse, verse 14, he mentions that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, then it says the love of God, isn't it? God is full of love. Love is what defines God. The Bible says that God is love. Hallelujah. The Bible says that what? God is love. Do you see? And if you read in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, he lets us know that the love of Christ is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So he has put in us an ability to love him with the same love with which he has loved us. The Bible says that greater love has no man than this, than that a man should lay down his life for his friends. God loved you so much, he gave himself for you. He died for you. He died. He died for you. If someone has been able to die for you, do you think it is true that someone died for you? Or do you think it is true? Yeah, and if it weren't true, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't call yourself a born-again believer or a Christian. You see? Because it is true, that is why you are born again. That is why you are saved. That he has saved you from hell. If he has, then you have to give him all of your heart. You have to give him all of yourself. So he says, if a man loved mother, father, and all that, he says, don't think that I've come to bring peace on the earth. <laughs> of course, he's a prince of peace. You must understand. In Isaiah, he makes us know that he's a prince of peace. Okay? He's a prince of peace. However, he says, don't think that I've brought peace on this earth. A man's enemies, a man's foe shall be of they of his, his own household. Those in his house will become enemies for him. Because when you try to give yourself holy to the Lord, when you try to give your heart to the Lord, when, when you, you make it a habit to, to pray a lot, and to go to church a lot, and to do the things of God a lot, like love God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You see, and love, love also comes with actions. If you love somebody, you must do some things. Is it true? Yeah, if you propose to a lady and you say you love the person, you must do some things. You must make some calls here and there. It should be the, it should be the very first person you will call in the morning. That's why I don't agree with guys who call some ladies in the morning and say that they are just, oh, it's just one of those things. What are you talking about? How can it be just one of those things? You've been calling Sepulon, you've been calling this lady every morning. You call her every morning. You, every 5 a.m. you call. Have you, have you done your quiet time this morning? How does that concern you? Have you listened to five minutes of pastority? How does that concern you? Then in the night, he, she's the last person you will call. 12 a.m. you call. How's your day? Are you sleeping? Okay. Sleep tight and dream, dream of me. She should, she should dream of you. She should dream about you. What is wrong with you? And you say that I'm not interested. You are doing, your actions show that you are interested. Does it make sense? It's like you don't like what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. The love of the woman is constraining you, compelling you to do something. Okay? Love comes with some actions. It comes with some things. It does. So, when you start, if you've noticed, one of the very first group that tries to prevent you from going with God, from becoming close to God, is your family. All of a sudden, they start asking questions. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? What is happening? Why are you, why are you fasting like that? Why? Is there a problem? 
Why are you going to church like that? Is it true? Yeah, why are you going to church like that? It's, it's part of it. Jesus said it. Okay? Normally, when you are in, 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 in peace, you are at peace with your family. You are actually not at peace with God at the beginning stages. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. It's either you are in harmony with God and in disharmony with men, or you are in harmony with men and this in, in this in, and in disharmony with God. But God's, God's request is for your, all of your heart. All, not some, all of your heart. All of your heart. Okay? Never fall in love with somebody and that person takes you away from God. You are so in love, you don't have any time to read your Bible. You don't have any time to pray. You don't have any time to do anything. You are madly in love. I'm falling in love. I'm in love. I'm in love. Oh, I'm in love. Yeah, yeah. With my lady shepherd. I'm in love. I'm falling in love with my lady shepherd. Oh, lady shepherd. And you are, you are, you are so consumed. All those things actually belong to God. I'm telling you. God wants you to be so much in love with him that it, it becomes emotional. You, you are emotional about him. You see the way you can, you can love somebody. Oh, how many of you have fallen in love before? Just be honest. Uh, just be honest. We are in the house of God. Just be honest. The rest of you have never fallen in love. Ask your neighbor, have you ever fallen in love before? Tell your neighbor, it's not time to be serious. We are asking a very serious question. Have you, have you fallen in love before? Everybody has fallen in love before. Even if, even Rita, I'm sure you have fallen in love before. Yeah. I'm very, very sure. Yes. Because sometimes when you are, when you are 14, 13, you start having crashes on people. Even people who are older than you, you just see them and you're like, ah, this sister is very nice. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, movie stars and all that. Hallelujah. Yeah. You see, all that actually belongs to God. It belongs to God. You, your heart, that is the first thing that God desires. That's the first thing that God wants. The first and only thing, actually. Every other thing is actually on the peripheral. Your love for Him. Your desire for Him. Having a strong desire. Do you get it? A strong wanting to be with him at all times. It's when you're in love, you want to be with a person. The reason why I'm using human beings is because that's what you know. Okay, you want to be with a person. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. When you're in love. You see, if, if, if you do that for a man or a woman and you don't do that for God, that's a problem. It means that you're not really following the Lord as you're supposed to. You're a disciple, but you don't know what it means. Do you get it? Yeah, it means all of your heart. Church shouldn't be a problem. Attending church, if you are in love, attending church, ah, it's, like, it's just like visiting your beloved. It's just like visiting your beloved. What are, you don't even think about it. You don't even think about getting... I was, I was always prompt. And I'll stay till 1 a.m. I'm telling you, yes. There are times I stay till 2. I was not afraid. I'll just walk in the dark and go home. I'll just move. I was not afraid. I was in love. Hallelujah. In the same way, God wants you to 
do things that show that you love him. You get it? And become emotional about him. Become emotional about God. Sometimes when we are worshipping, some people are so hard. They don't, they don't know God much. Even though they are Christians. Okay, they don't know God much. They are very hard. They lift up, say lift up holy hands and they, we are tired. What is this? No, you don't love him as much as you are supposed to. So he says, love me more than you love your father. Okay? More than you love your mother. If you hear that something is happening to your mother, what do you think you would do? Oh. You just move quickly. Yeah. Recently something was happening to my dad. I moved quickly. Within seconds I was in a car. Yeah. Hallelujah. He says, love me more than you love your mother. More than you love your father. Okay? And normally when you try to do that, like I said, the very first group that will try to prevent you is your parents. Sometimes you can have a guy who is not doing well. He's some some we smokers doing all bad boys. I mean, bad boys, bad girls have so many boyfriends. You know, there are some ladies who have so many boyfriends. They have like like ten at a time. Oh yeah, and they have shadow for everybody. Everybody comes at a different time, and they are fine. Everything is okay. No clashes, nothing. Everybody is fine. Every one one is responsible for the phone, responsible for phone and refilling the phone. Another person is responsible for. Her lingerie, another person is responsible for her makeup, another person is responsible for. I mean, she has somebody for every part of her body. Hallelujah. Yeah. Perfect. Everything is correct. And this person all of a sudden becomes born again and starts attending service, starts going to church and starts becoming serious with God. Come and see what will happen. That same person who was some way and nobody could talk about the person, all of a sudden, parents want to prevent the person from. Getting to church. Why are you going to church like that? Why? You know, you say all kinds of things and say so many things. Jesus said that you have to hate them. If you want to follow me, if you want to come after me, hate them more than eh? hate them and love me. The word love that he uses, feel you. Have, have an affinity, a strong affinity for me. You know, feel you. Feel is a love that mostly exists between uh, people, husband, wife, and all that. Okay? And also with brethren. Hallelujah. He says, love me with that same kind of love. Have affinity for me. Have affection for me. Hmm. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. It's amazing. I came not to send peace, peace but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father. In other words, I am come to put you against your father. <laughs> so that your father will be against you and you will be against your father. Isn't that amazing? All because of me. Now come to set a man at variance against his, his, his mother as well. And the daughter against the mother. And the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. So it even goes to mother-in-law and father-in-law. And a man's foe shall be there of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He's not worthy of The word worthy of me means that he's not worthy of carrying me. Carrying my presence. Carrying my glory. Carrying my, my power. He will not have me working in his life as he's supposed to have me working in his life. That's what he means. He says he's not worthy of me. He's not worthy of channeling me into other people's lives. Normally, and when you become so close to the Lord and they start complaining like that, after a while, your example is what becomes the example. They start following you. But if you, if you, if you go under their pressure, you will not have, you will not be able to change your family. During those times, when one person is saved from, in a family, the whole family is saved. That's what the Bible says. Okay, Cornelius gathered all of his family and everybody got saved. The guy, the man, the, the centurion who was to keep Paul and Silas in prison throughout the night, but got, uh, 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 got born again during the night because 
the chains that was on Paul and Silas's hands fell off and all that. Okay, his whole house got saved. The Bible says that him and his whole house got saved. That was what was happening in those times. The way to get your family saved is actually to get closer to God and to love God more. That's the way. Okay? No matter what, just decide for yourself that I'm going to get to know Lord, the, the, the Lord more. And the more you get to know him, the more you enjoy him. And the more you enjoy him, the more saturated you become of him. And the more success you have. God is actually success. Real success is actually God. A man who has God is successful. I'm telling you. Okay? A lot of people want the, the things that God gives. But God wants you to seek him. He's not saying you should seek him because he's lost. You have him. But getting closer to him is what makes all the difference. If someone is your friend and you are not talking to the person, what do you think will happen? The relationship would become strained, isn't it? But the more you talk to the person, the more closer you become. Hallelujah. God is inside you. If any man be, be in Christ, he's a new creation, isn't it? All things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. And all these new things are of God. All these new things are of him because he's there. Says ye are of God, they torture and overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He's there, he's inside you. Now, the job is to get to know him. Get to love him some more. Hallelujah. Let me show you some examples in the Old Testament. So that you see what we are talking about some more. In Deuteronomy chapter 33, from verse 8, Moses was blessing the children of Israel. Moses was about to check out of the system. Deuteronomy chapter 33. Reading from verse 8. And he was blessing the children of Israel, blessing the various tribes. He got to the tribe of Levi. And he started blessing them. Okay? That's what he said. Are you there? Deuteronomy 33 from verse 8. I think we should read it together. Okay? Let's read from verse 8 to verse 11. One to go. Whom thou disprovered, Master? And with whom thou didst strive at the waters of Meribah, who said unto his father and his mother, I have not seen him, neither did he acknowledge his brethren, nor his own children, and kept thy covenant. They shall teach Jacob thy judgment, and Israel thy law. They shall put incense before thee, and hold burnt sacrifice upon thine altar. Bless, Lord, his substance, and accept the work of his hands. Smite through the loins of them that rise against him, and of them that hate him, that they rise not again. Hallelujah. Just about the children of the, the Levites. Okay? He says, Let thy Tumim and thy Urim be with thy Holy One. Now, what does it mean? The, the Urim and the Tumim is actually um, the dressing, it was, part, it was part of the dressing of the high priest. Okay? The high priest dressing had, it was customized. It had something called an effort in front of it, like a breastplate. Okay? A breastplate that hanged from the shoulders down. And on the breastplate there were there were stones, twelve stones, representing each tribe of Israel, all the tribes. We have Simeon, Reuben, everybody's name was written on one of the stones, twelve, carved into the breastplate. Then inside, just underneath the breastplate was a light. The light is called the room. Okay, the word Urim means light. The word to me means perfections or beauty. So, to put together, Urim and to me means light for perfections or light for beauty. Do you understand? And that was actually the way that God was leading the children of Israel. If someone had a case against somebody, 
Okay, let's say something has been stolen and you want to find out who stole it. You, you, if you want to find out who stole it, you have to contact the children, the, the children of the, the Levites or the high priest who was part of the Levites. Okay? They are the ones who can tell. When you stand before them, the light will show through the tribe of the person who stole it. I mean, no matter who you are, they will catch you. Even if you have Jew like whatever, they will still catch you. I mean, they could tell, they are the ones who could tell the, the knowledge of God. They could bring the wisdom of God into the system. They were the carriers of God. The Levites were the ones who were carrying God. Do you understand? How did they become like that? How did they get that ability? Nobody in Israel could do that. They are the only ones. If you want to know where God is, find out from them. Okay? So, this particular portion of the Bible lets us know how they became what they became. He says, they did not spare mother. He says, I did not know my mother. I did not know my father. They, what, what actually happened for them to become chosen by God to do this particular job, to carry his presence? They were the ones who were carrying the presence of God, like I said. Okay? They were not like any other person in Israel. Not at all. They were very different. Very, 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 very different. Okay? Hmm. The reason why they became chosen like that was because of what they did on a particular day. Moses had gone up into the mountain to go and take the commandments of God. Okay? The people had said that we will be all that God wants us to do. So the, Moses climbed up into the mountain and he stayed there for 40 days and 40 nights. During his stay there, the children of Israel pushed Aaron to build for them a calf, a golden calf, out of the golden earrings and golden bracelets and all that that they are taking from the children of Egypt when we were leaving Israel, when we were leaving Egypt. I don't know if you've read that story before. I don't know if you know the story I'm talking about. So the, the, the Bible says that they made spoil. God made them have all the property of Egypt. So they, what, what happened in Egypt as Israel was leaving was an economic crash. They destroyed the economy of Egypt. Because before Moses, Moses got the children of Israel out, he had actually used, uh, God had used him to work signs, 10 different miracles in Egypt. Which ended up destroying a lot of their farms, their water, a lot of things got destroyed. And when we were leaving, the small man that they had to, God made them take everything away from the Egyptians and left. And that's how we are actually going to leave this world. The day we are taking out of this world. We will leave this world in an economic chaos. Okay? The economic chaos that Israel, Egypt experienced was even so serious to the extent that Egypt lost its, its whole army. They lost their defense system. Because all the army of, of Pharaoh, Pharaoh and, the Pharaoh died, do you know that? They came after the, the Israelites and they all sank in the sea. All of them, all the army of Egypt got destroyed. And it took a very long time for them to, I mean, the children had to grow and come and become army people and all that. Okay? So God actually gave them the earrings and the necklaces and all those golden things so that they can build him a house. But they took those earrings and used it for a golden calf an idol to worship. And they called that, that idol the God that brought them out of Egypt. Can you imagine? That's what they did. They pushed around to do that. And as Moses was in the mountain, even though Moses was in the mountain and had not come down, he, had, he got to know what was happening. He knew what was going on. God told him what was going on. That your people, this is you, so God started telling him that step aside and let me kill these people. That was when God started talking about that. Step aside and let me kill these people. So I raise a new generation from you. And Moses said that if you kill them, People will talk about you. That why did you bring them? You brought them out so that you can kill them. Why are you doing that? Repent from your ways. And God decided to change his mind. <laughs> yeah, Moses was that close to God. He could tell God to change his mind. And God changed his mind. 
So when Moses came down and he saw what was going on, he became so angry. The Bible says that he grounded the golden calf. He grounded them, put it in water, and made all of them drink it. They should drink their folly. Okay? And when he did that, he stood, the Bible says that he stood at the gates of the camp and said, who is on the Lord's side? When he said, who is on the Lord's side? Only the sons of Levi came to Moses' side. And when they came, Moses said, okay, if you are the only ones who are coming, who are coming to the Lord's side, I want you to take swords. Everyone should take swords. Now, let's read it. Let's read what I'm talking about. It's very important that we see what actually happened. This is in Exodus chapter 20, 32. It's so nice. Exodus chapter 32. I want us to read from verse 25. Exodus chapter 32 from verse 25. I there. I want you to see all that I'm talking about. It's very important, okay? Let's read it together. One to go. And when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. Now, hold on. What does it mean when... The Bible says what you just read, you know? When Moses, and Moses saw that the people were naked. For Aaron had made them naked to, the, to, to their shame eh, before their enemies. What does it mean? Is he talking about literal nakedness? Emphatically not. The word nakedness means to be in outside of order. To be in disorder. Okay. Hallelujah. Let me show you why that particular thing is so important. If you read other versions, I don't know if you, if you have other versions. You see, probably Amplified will give us something else. Or even other versions. Anybody with another version? BBA, what does it say? And Moses saw that the people were out of control. For Aaron had let them loose to their shame before their haters. They were out of control. They were out of order. They were, they were out of control. You get it? They were not in order. <laughs> Hallelujah. All that was very important to God. Let me show you a scripture. Go to go back to Exodus chapter chapter thirteen. Let's read from verse eighteen. So you see what I'm talking about. Then we'll come back to this one, okay? Exodus thirteen from verse eighteen. This is how the children of God came out of Egypt. They came out of Egypt in a certain way. Hallelujah. So important. It says, but God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. This is how they were coming out. You see, there was a shorter route or a shorter route to the land of Canaan. But God chose not to. That was just a 40-day journey. He decided not to take them through that particular route because he said that they are not ready for war. You get it? He said they are not ready for war. So God actually took them out of Egypt for war. The reason why God made the children of Israel go into Egypt for 400 years. He told Abraham what was going to happen. When Abraham made the covenant with him, God made the darkness fall on him. He made him sleep. And when he made him sleep, he spoke to him in a, in a dream that your people, your children are going to be slaves in another man's country for years, for 400 years. But they will come out with a lot of wealth. And the reason why they are going there is because the iniquities of the Amorites and the Hittites and all those people have not come to the full yet. The land I want to give to them, the people on it, they are, sin has not, they are sinners, but their sin has not come to, to full yet. When their sin comes to, to, to the maximum, I'll bring them out to come and come and kill them and take their land. So the reason why God took them there was because their time, this supposed time had not come. And when their time came, he brought them out. And when he brought them out, he wanted them to be prepared. The reason why he brought them out was so that there would be an army to destroy 
all the works that those people had done. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Hallelujah. So he brought them out as an army. And that's what is written here. He says, But God led the people about through the valley of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. The word harness means that they went out as an army. Reverend George was talking about this the last time, isn't it? They, went, they came out as an army in order, in order of fives, in ranks of fives. Okay? So they marched, they marched out as an army. And God's, God's thought, God's intent was to train them as an army in the wilderness for them to be ready for war. Okay? And that was how they were marching. That was how they were, they were living in their camp and everything. When Moses came down from the, from the mountain with the commandments of the Lord and saw them jubilating with their golden calf, some of them, all of them were in disorder. Everybody was in disorder. But these particular, there were some groups that didn't come into order even though Moses had come. So Moses called for those who would be on the side, on the Lord's side. And the Levites came. I follow me. And when the Levites came, he said that, take your swords and destroy, go from gate to gate, gate to gate, and destroy all those who are still in disorder, who are still out of control. Because the, the purpose of God was that they will be in control, they will be in order, they will be, they will be a, an army, a harnessed army. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. So that was what was happening. That is why God allowed the Levites to kill. Look at what happened. Go back to Exodus chapter 32. So the word naked means they were out of control. They were out of what? Control. Hmm. And when Moses saw that the people, this is Exodus chapter 32, verse 25. Okay? Exodus 32, 25. It says, And when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. So the enemies saw them. How disorderly they had become. And knew that, oh, these people are not much. We are going to defeat them. That was the thought that was going on in the enemy's minds. And God hated it. And God wanted that corrected. So he called for those who would want to correct it. And only the Levites came. And when they came, look at what happened. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Verse 26. Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. And he said unto them, Thus said the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side, and go in and out from gate to gate. Have you seen it? Go from gate to gate. Throughout the camp, and slay every man his brother, and every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. This wouldn't be a correct instruction. Take a sword and go and kill your brother. That was not what he meant. Kill everybody, everyone who is out of order, who is still in nakedness. Doesn't make sense. Whether they are your mother, they are your mother, or your father, or brother, or whatever, it makes no difference. And Levi obeyed. All the sons of Levi obeyed. When they went to the camp, and saw their brothers who were in disorder. They destroyed them. They killed them. Even if it was their mother, they killed them. They did all those things. Killed everybody who was in disorder. And that day, 3,000 people. They killed 3,000 people in the camp of Israel. It's in the Bible. I'm not the one saying it. Verse 28. And the children of, Israel, of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And they fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. 3,000 men died. Because they were in disorder. Hallelujah. So Levi did the, the bidding of God irrespective of the costs. Levi loved the instruction of God more than his own mother, more than his own brother, or his own father, or his own sister, or his own wife. He didn't care. So when Moses was blessed, he said, 
This is, let your room and your room be with the one whom you strove with at Meribah. Meribah and Massa is a place where the children of Israel cried for water. They couldn't get water. Where Moses smote the rock and water came out. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. So all they were, they were part of the children of Israel. Everybody cried for water, including the children, the children of Levi. But later on in, the, in their journeys, the children of Levi started, they, they weren't crying any longer to God for something. They were doing God's bidding. Do you get it? Every other, they are believers who, everybody just cries to the Lord. We don't have this, we don't have this, we don't have that. Like every other person, everybody's just saying that. Okay? But there are those in the body of Christ who are willing and ready to do what the Lord wants them to do. And Levi became like that. So he blessed them. Let's, let's look at that one again. Okay? Deuteronomy chapter 33. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you learning anything at all? Ask anybody at all. Are you learning anything at all? I've been blessed at all. You must love the Lord. It, it is our calling. You get it? It is our calling. This is what we've been called for. It is our first point of call. We must love the Lord with everything that we have. And not care. And be willing to destroy anything, anybody <laughs> who is out of order. That is what I'm saying. It doesn't matter whether they are your mother or your father. It makes no difference. That's what it means to be a disciple. To be a follower of the Lord. So sometimes your mother will be saying something that is not in the Bible. Tell her, oh, it's not in the Bible. Of course, respectfully. Those are like, hey, it's not in the Bible. No, but be, be nice. But tell the person that it is not in the Bible. Stand for the Lord. Stand for God's opinion more than you stand for man's opinion. And it starts with your mother and your father and your brother and your sister and your wife. If you're able to stand there, you can stand anywhere. It doesn't matter whether you stand before presidents. You'll be able to tell them God's mind. That is what God sees. You are in disorder. You are not in order. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Hmm. Deuteronomy 33, right? Deuteronomy 33, verse 6. And of Levi, he said, Let thy tomb and thy rim be with thy holy one. He called them thy holy one. We are the holy ones of God, right? Are you a child of God? The Bible calls us holy brethren. We are holy brethren. It says, Whom thou didst prove at Massa, and with whom thou didst strive at the waters of Meribah, who said unto his father and to his mother, I have not seen him. He did not see his mother or his father. He didn't care. Because he loved the Lord's instructions. This is what God wants. That is it. And I'm going to do it. Who said unto his father and his mother, I have not seen him. Neither did he acknowledge his brethren, nor knew his own children. For they have observed thy word and kept thy covenant. They say, they shall teach Jacob. You see, when you, learn, when you start loving God in a certain way, God, how do you love God? When I say love God, what am I talking about? Am I saying that just stay in your room? I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. As I walk around, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. No, if you love him, he says, Jesus said, if you love him, you shall keep my commandments. Have you seen it? If you love me, you shall keep my words. That's what Jesus said. So, when, you, when, you, when the word of God becomes so nice for you, as it is supposed to be, and as it is going to be from today, if it was not nice or it was going to be nice if it was, it was nice for it to be extra nice the word of God is sweeter than honey the, the, the kind of relationship that we sustain with God the excitement that is in God is higher than sex the excitement that is in sex you have no idea 
Someone says, I have an idea. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's higher. It's higher. It cannot be compared. Not at all. And God, God is calling all of us to that place where you love him so much. You can open the Bible and the Bible becomes a very nice thing to read. Love is what will cause it to become very nice. If you love the person, you'd want to hear from him. You want to make a call. You want to just hear from him and just be with him. No matter what. Sometimes you watch Facebook too much. Some people love Facebook more than they love God. These are disciples of the Lord. They love Facebook more than they love. It's not right. It's not supposed to. I'm just trying to correct what is not correct. That's what I'm trying to do with you. Yeah. Hallelujah. Some people love their girlfriends more than they love God. Yeah, look at the way you can, you can move. When your girl asks for something, you can just move. Heaven and earth to get the thing for the lady. Is it true? Yeah. If the lady's birthday is coming up, you are in trouble. I mean, right now, people are collecting. They are collecting Farmer's Day presents. Boxing Day presents. They are collecting everything. Farmer's Day. It do feature. They are collecting. It do feature uh, uh, presents. It do other whatever. This one. They are collecting every present. Ladies, the ladies are wild. Hallelujah. But for some, the Lord is, the Lord is not much. You get it? The Lord doesn't mean much to them. It's not supposed to be like that. Hallelujah. You must give up everything. He says, He said unto his mother and his father, I have not seen him, neither did he acknowledge his brethren, nor knew his own children, for they have observed thy word and kept thy commandment. You see, they have observed thy word and kept thy commandment. Keeping God's word is the means of loving him. That's what it means to love God. Learning to, to, to worship him in your own private life. Not waiting till we come to church to come and worship God. But worshiping him in your own private life. Putting songs on. Songs that will cause you to worship God. Songs that will cause you to love God. Songs that will cause you to sing praises to his name. That's what we are talking about. And that's, that's the call. That's what it means to be a disciple. When you learn to do that, you are actually answering to what you really are. Your life will start making more meaning when you start doing those things. And doing them effectively for yourself. Okay? Yeah. When you learn to study the word. Just read. Sometimes you just have to read the Bible. I know most of the things I know because I just read the Bible. So, when God prompts me, I know where to go. You get it? Yeah. All the things I'm telling you, I've read them. Over the years, and I still read them. And the more I read them, the closer I get to the Lord. The more I study, the closer I get to the Lord. The more, this is your first calling. Every other thing makes no difference. Makes no, makes no sense. Every other thing. Oh, people have married, people have had children, people have done all kinds of things, and still don't have a meaning in life. What will really bring fulfillment in your life is your love for the Lord. Okay? Then look at the next thing. He says, They shall teach Jacob thy judgments and, sh- and Israel thy law. They shall put incense before thee. They shall bring worship to you. Hallelujah. And hold burnt sacrifice upon, upon thine altar. Then he says, Bless, Lord, his substance and accept the work of his hands. Bless his substance and accept the work of his hands. Smite through the loins of them that rise up against him and of them that hate him that they rise not again. God defends those who are his children, those who are his disciples, really. All his children are supposed to be his disciples. But for some, he can't help them as much as he wants to because they are not doing what they are supposed to do. He says, draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. It's, it's the truth. The more you draw nigh to him, the more he also draws nigh to you. Do you understand? Yeah. There shouldn't be anything that you, you love more than God. 
If you look at Abraham's case, there was a day, if you read in Genesis chapter 22, Abraham loved his son Isaac so much. God had given him a son. He was looking for a son for so long, and God gave him a child. When God, God, God gave him the child, he saw the child, the child was growing, and the child was developing before him from a, as a baby to a, to a toddler, to a young man, and all that. And his, his love was there, was with, was with the child. Let's, let's read it. Last, last portion of the scripture that I'm reading for you today. Genesis chapter 22. Let's read from verse 1. Genesis 22 from verse 1. Let's read it together. One to go. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Obviously, God tempted him. He says, Abraham, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac. Okay? Look, look at the way God qualified it. Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. The word lovest there, it means Ahab. And it means, it means to have to love somebody as a friend. If you remember, <laughs> Abraham was the friend of God. If you remember. At this particular point in time in Abraham's life, Isaac had taken that place. Isaac had become Abraham's friend. The one Abraham would talk to and communicate with and love. That was why, so God, God knew that his, he was being exchanged for somebody else. I gave you this, now you are in love with that person. Sometimes you get something and you are, you are in love with that thing. God gave you a phone, you ask for a phone and God gave the phone. Right now, the phone is your beloved. Every time you are, your eyes on the phone, you hold the phone, you wipe it like this. Then you wipe it. And every time you are, you are with the phone, you can't, your, suppose phone has never gone off before. If it goes off, because, it's because Muhammad has taken the light or something. Something has happened to the light. That's why power, <laughs> you have power back. You get the power back. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isaac had, become, had been exchanged for God in Abraham's heart. And God wanted to find out what was really in his heart. So God told him, go and sacrifice your son for me. Of course, in the end, God didn't take the child. Because Abraham proved that God was the only person that was in his heart. Hallelujah. Don't let any other thing. God wants to be the, the king sitting on the throne of your heart. As a lady, as a guy. On every sphere of your life. He wants to be the only king. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. It's actually an instruction from the Lord. And we must keep it. And we must be ready to die for him and do everything for him. All because of him. Paul said, the love of Christ constraineth us. You see, the love of Christ pushes us. It it's, it's compels us to think in a certain way. To give ourselves over to him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Do you love the Lord? Ask your neighbor, do you love the Lord? Ask the other one, do you love the Lord? More than you love even your own self. That is, a, that is a calling of God for your life. Hallelujah. I want us to love God this morning with all of our hearts. Okay? I want you to become emotional with Him in prayer. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Become so emotional. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. You allow, that, you, you allow God... He says, the one who does not love me, okay, loves mother, father more than me, is not worthy of me. He's not worthy of me. It means that he's, He cannot carry me as He's supposed to. How many of you want to carry God as you're supposed to? The presence of God is so strong in your life that everything works. 
The presence of God causes things to work. It's the presence of God that parted the sea. It's the presence of God that parted Jordan. It's the presence of God that did all those things. Before Joshua started his journeys with, with Israel, God told him that from today on, I'm going to be with you. They will know that I'm with you. And I'll begin to magnify you before the eyes of Israel. And God started doing that for, for, for Joshua because Joshua was with the Lord. Joshua never departed from the tabernacle of witness. He was always there. He was, he was always there. When everybody left, he was still there. Because he loved God so much, he wanted to stay in his presence. And the more he did, the more he succeeded. Joshua was one of the most successful leaders Israel have ever had. He never had one problem. It was just one problem that he had. But apart from that, he had success every time. I don't know about you, but I want to be successful everywhere. In everything that I do. And the secret, real secret of success is God. Is the presence of God. The higher the presence of God, the presence of God can be, can be higher or lower in your life. God is there with all of himself. But your consciousness of his presence in you can be high or low. That's what I mean. The more you learn to love him, the more, the higher his, the consciousness of his presence is in your life. And the more it shows up around you. You realize that your business is working. He says, bless, bless Lord. Bless him. Bless his substance. Bless his substance. Everything he does is blessed. Okay? Hallelujah. So I'm just, I'm just helping you know what it means to be a disciple. The disciples don't have to think about what they'll eat. Because the Lord is there. He will take care of what they'll eat. They don't need to think about what they'll wear. The Lord is there. He will think about what they'll wear. That's where disciple is. Hallelujah. See, I love Jesus. Jesus must be first on your list. Must be first on your list every time. Rise up on your feet and let's pray. God bless you for listening. Keep listening to the word as Christ is made the center of your world. For prayer and counseling, call 024-563-8314 or send an email to info at christworldinc.com. God bless you.